Thanks for tuning into this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can check us out on the web at hillsideassembly.org. You're about to hear a message from our current message series, and I hope you open your heart and mind to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning. My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Assembly, and I am thrilled that you're here for today's worship experience. If you're a guest with us today, We've got two gifts that we'd love to put in your hands. You can pick those up in our foyer at the end of the worship experience at our information table. We'd also love for you to fill out an information card so that we can contact you with any relevant information in the future. We do our offering a little bit different here at Hillside. The offering will be prayed for at the end of the experience today, and you can give in the box in the foyer as we dismiss. And of course, you can always give at hillsideassembly.org. There's also lots of relevant information there and tools to help you in your walk with Christ. So check out our webpage. Now, normally today I am with you in the sanctuary, but unfortunately we got some news on Friday night. Uh, One of my daughter's closest friends contracted the COVID virus, came up positive on Friday night. When we got that information, Pam, Riley, and myself all decided we would quarantine. Now, Riley and my wife had some interaction with this young lady throughout the week. Uh, Pam feels fine. Riley feels fine. I feel absolutely fine this morning. The three of us all have had our vaccine. We're looking good. But over an abundance of caution this morning, I am not going to be in the sanctuary. Pam and Riley are quarantined at home. Riley's going for a test a little bit later today. Uh, I will come out and preach the message today, but that's the only interaction that I'll have with you live today. Uh, The rest of our interaction will be by video, or Robin, or Adrian, and Hannah will be doing a lot of the legwork in service today. So I appreciate them. We just want, out of an abundance of caution, to take this step so that everybody feels safe and healthy today. Hey, we do want to pray for this young lady, though. Uh, My daughter's friend, uh, she does have a pre-existing heart condition, and she has a low immune system. So we're obviously concerned for her, and we're praying for her this morning that God would touch her body and bring her back to total and complete health. We've got a jam-packed service today. I don't want to take any more time away from that. So let's roll over to Jeb and the announcements he has for us, and then Robin will lead us in a worship song. Good morning, Hillside! I'm so glad that you're here in church today. Hey, who's excited to be here? Does anybody love Jesus today? Woo, I think so. I think so. Well, hey, I wanted to share with you about a few things coming up here at Hillside. Next weekend is BGMC weekend. But have you ever wondered what BGMC is? Well, let's watch a video and find out together. What is BGMC? BGMC stands for Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge. BGMC challenges kids like me to make a difference in the world by praying, giving, and maybe someday going. BGMC taught me how much God cares about people who don't know Him. Once I understood what Jesus did for all of us, I wanted to help. I learned that one great way to help is to pray. With so many people needing to hear about Jesus, I learned that my prayers really do make a difference in the world. Missionaries go and tell people about Jesus, and that can cost money. Kids earn money in lots of different ways. 
That money goes to send missionaries to tell people about Jesus and to help poor people around the world. Where does BGMC money go? First, kids put their money in buddy barrels and bring them to church. The church sends the money to the national BGMC office in Springfield, Missouri. Then, BGMC gives it to the missionaries around the world and in the United States. Let's go to the country of Guatemala and see what BGMC is doing there. In Guatemala, BGMC money is going to a medical clinic. That money buys medicine, bandages, dental supplies, even eyeglasses. There's also a big meeting tent where people learn about Jesus. Wow, people get medical help and at the same time they learn about Jesus? How cool is that? Now, let's go to Africa. BGMC helped a missionary buy bunk beds and blankets for poor kids in Kenya. They had no place to live, and now they have a home where they're loved and taken care of. They also get their own Bible and learn about Jesus. Okay, how about going to the Philippines? Did you know that all over the world, kids die because they don't have enough food? Because of BGMC, kids like these have enough food to eat. Missionaries make sure the kids know about Jesus, too. All over the world, people are being helped because of kids like you and me, missionaries, and BGMC. BGMC built a Christian TV tower in Malawi. Kids like you and me have helped dig water wells all across Africa. BGMC bought snowmobiles for pastors in Russia. The money we raise has helped buy goats, pigs, and cows to help poor farmers get started raising animals. Bibles are being printed and given away in lots of languages. Pastors get to go to Bible school because of BGMC. Wow, the dimes, quarters, and dollars we put into those buddy barrels really do go around the world. So you might as well believe it, kids are playing a big part in telling people about Jesus all over the world. We can pray, we can give, and we can go. By filling up buddy barrels, we can help missionaries tell people about Jesus. By learning this stuff as kids, we have our whole lives to be a part of what God is doing around the world. There are lots of good reasons for us to pray and give, but I know one reason that's really important. It'll make Jesus happy. I'm glad I know Jesus as my friend, and I want to tell others so they can be his friends too. Wow, BGMC does all sorts of cool stuff. Hey, make sure if you don't have a buddy barrel like, like mine right there, you can pick up yours in the foyer today and you can start loading it up with change at home. And we're really excited about BGMC Weekend. It's all started Thursday. We need some help to set up our outside venue. So we want to set up our tents at 4.30 on Thursday. If you're available to help, please let Pastor Eric and our office staff know. And on Friday, we're going to have a great event outside. We're going to have our worship night and brat fry. For five bucks, you can get a hot dog or a brat meal. We're going to have live worship. My friend Buddy Barrel's going to be there. Our missionary partner to the Asian Pacific area, Miss Marianne Adams, will be there. And Mr. Robbie's going to share a testimony. That's going to be amazing. I hope you're planning to come. It's going to be great. Then on Saturday, Marianne is getting together with all our ladies at 10 a.m. here at church to do chocolates and Jesus. It's going to be amazing. She's going to teach people how to make their own chocolate candy. That sounds delicious. So don't miss out on that, ladies. 
get here at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Bring a friend with you. It's going to be fantastic. And those invitations are in our foyer if you didn't get one this morning when you walked in. And let's not forget about the big event next Sunday here, right here at Hillside on Sunday morning. It's going to be our BGMC service. We've got Buddy Barrel. We've got me. I'm going to be there. Miss Marianne Adams is preaching. And the AG Express Kids Worship Team is here. Woo, man, we are going to scoot, shoot, and boogie all day long next Sunday. So we got a great weekend planned. Don't miss out on any of those events. Now, now before we go, I think Pastor Eric's going to slide in here, and, and he's going to share two more announcements with us. Let's do that. Well, I want to give you a couple updates for some things that are happening here at Hillside. Over the last few weeks, you've noticed we've had some concrete work done here on our campus in two major locations. The first is in the upper lot, connecting a sidewalk to Jackie's office. Now in the past, we've had issue with water drainage and ice buildup in the winter, and so we've laid that sidewalk to help with that process. We're now reaching out to a landscaper to make sure that we grade the ground properly so that we don't have flooding issues and ice buildup in the winter. We also noticed that we put in a large concrete pad in our lower lot. Eventually, we'll put in a shed to be able to store a lot of our supplies that we use year-around, but that we don't really want to keep in the building. We'll also have that landscaper help us be able to get the tilt of the ground correct there so that we don't have drainage issues. I realize right now some of these areas look a little bit of an eyesore, but in the coming weeks, once we've gotten all the information that we need, we'll take the proper steps to beautify those areas. I think you'll really like what the end results are. Well, let's talk about one other thing that's coming up in the near future that I'm very excited about and that we want everybody to participate in. It's called the Foundations Class. This is a five-week class that will start September 19th. It'll be on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. run till about 9.40. So this is before our morning worship experience. We want everyone to participate in this because we want everybody to be on the same page. I think it's important for all of us to understand what we believe, to understand who we are as a church, what the Assemblies of God stands for, where God is taking us, and most importantly, how we're going to get there. That's what this five-week class is really all about. Now, for anyone who takes the five-week class at the end of this, we'll give you the opportunity to apply for membership here at the church. And you might ask yourself, what does membership mean? Why would I want to become a member? We're going to cover all of that in our classes, so you don't want to miss any of it. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday, September 19th, starting at 9 a.m. Isn't Jeb great? <laughs> I'm going to ask you to stand as we begin our service. Are you excited to worship the Lord this morning? It is so great to be here to worship together with you. Mark 12:30 says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength." We're going to open by singing this song, "I will worship." Join with me as we sing it together. And I will worship Thank you. 
Just one last time, sing that last phrase. You alone are worthy of my Oh, can you lift up your praise to him this morning? Let's give him a shout and clap offering of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. God, what a privilege it is to gather together as a church body and to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, thank you for what you are doing in our lives, how you are changing us and drawing us closer to you. Lord, I thank you for our church family. God, I pray that your presence would be evident here today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. We give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. And we have Jeb coming back one more time, and he's going to share a little bit about a missionary. It's Jive Time with Jeb! Well, welcome everybody. It is your good friend Jeb, and I'm here with a very good friend of mine, Mr. Luke. And, and it's Mission Sunday, Mr. Luke, here at Hillside. That's awesome. Do you like missions? I love missions. Well, that's a good thing because Mr. Luke's a missionary. So, so Mr. Luke, could you tell us where you serve the Lord? Yes, I get to serve the Lord at Ripon College, right here in Ripon, Wisconsin. Huh. Right here in our own backyard? You betcha. Wow, that's awesome. Now, now you have a partner that, that, that does missions work with you. What's her name? Her name is Mandy Kimes, and I think you've met her before, Jeb. Well, I know Miss Mandy. Woo, man, that gal can shoot, scoot, and boogie for Jesus, let me tell you. That is for sure. She has got more batteries in her than the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> so, so, Mr. Luke, tell us about what you do on the college campus for Jesus. Yes, well, we partner with a student organization called Campus Christian Fellowship, or CCF for short, and we are all about following Jesus together. And so we help students get to know about Jesus, and grow in their relationship with Jesus. Well, that sounds pretty amazing. Can, can you share a quick story with us about, about a student's life that was touched for Jesus? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think you guys have met one, a, a number of our students, but one of them is Mr. Nick Tun that you guys know, and he's probably shared with you about going to Japan. That is right, Mr. Nick is going to Japan. Yeah, and he was a part of our our group while he was in college. No way. Absolutely, and he went on a mission trip with us, and he went on retreats with us, and I got to meet with him one-on-one, -on -one, and that's just some of the things that we do with the students that come to CCF, and their lives get touched, and then they get to go out and do missions for Jesus wherever they are. Wow, well, Mr. Luke, if we could touch on one more thing today. I know that you've known Pastor Eric for a while and that you and Mandy have partnered with Hillside for quite a while. Can you talk about that partnership and how it benefits both of you guys? Yes, absolutely. Well, a few of the ways that Hillside have, have blessed us is by giving us some office space in the church. So Miss Mandy and I meet here almost every week. They also let us use their printer for free, which is so helpful. And we also have used Nine Square in the air. We've used games. They've helped buy treats for us. 
It's just an awesome, awesome partnership. They even bought Miss Mandy a computer, Jeb. We sure did. I remember that. Yes. And so the partnership is just so awesome because it's great for a couple reasons. One, we want to be a bridge to the local church because we know that college ministry is just temporary. Students are only there for four or maybe at most five years, and then they're going to go out. And so we want them to know about the church because that's where they need to be a part of. And so having great churches like Hillside and Ripon is awesome. So we can tell students, we want you to go to Hillside. In fact, that's what we're doing here this week. We have a bunch of students here this week. Ooh, and they're a bunch of good looking students too, let me tell you. You betcha, Jeb. Only the best from Ripon College. Oh, that's right. And you know what? Not only that, but that's a partnership that goes both ways, Mr. Luke. Your students have blessed this church. People like Nick and Adrian and Anna and Michaela, they serve really hard here at Hillside. They're a great blessing to us. That is what it's all about. And so we are so glad to get to partner with you guys. And we thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us. We thank you for your prayers. That's another huge way that people partner with us. Well, we're definitely going to pray for all you guys today. Hey, we're going to turn this back over to Pastor Eric. He's got something special he'd like to do for all of your college students here today. Well, thanks, Jeb. All right, we'll see you guys later. Bye! You just got to love that little felt guy. Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I know as I walked out the door this morning, I had a flashback to when I visited SeaWorld. Because when they let the orcas in the big pool, you know, that door comes open, coming out to preach like this, I felt like Shamu coming out to, and I noticed no one's sitting in the splash zone this morning, so we're okay. Hey, we're going to have a great day, and hey, any Red Hawks fans here today? Woo! All right. Well, hey, we want to tell you how much we appreciate having you guys here in Ripon. And so if Adrian and Hannah could help us, we've got some special care packages we'd like to give to you guys this morning because we love college students. Oh, we can do way better than that. We love college students here at Hillside. So in these bags, go ahead, guys. You can deliver those. In these bags that you guys are getting today is a bunch of goodies. Yes, there is a ton of great stuff for you to munch on. But we've also got journals. We've got duct tape. I'm not sure what you use that for, but duct tape, goo gone, <laughs> pens, uh, post-it notes. And then there's a couple cool things in there uh, as well. We're giving each one of you guys a Purple Book devotional today. And then also a free account to Write Now Media which is an online Bible study, devotional, Christian, I mean, anything that you could imagine is on there. There's like 20,000 pieces of video content uh, from some of the greatest speakers around the globe. That's free for you guys today. And then also connected to your bag is a free coupon. If you come Friday night to our worship night, you guys can have a free hot dog or brat meal on us. And so, I mean, it's hard to get much better than that, guys. So we're excited to have you guys here. Hey, before we get into the Word of God today, can we pray? Yeah. Let's do that. And let's pray for this young lady who is friends with my daughter, that today God would heal her in a great way. I know a lot of you have other friends and families that aren't feeling well this morning, or maybe you're watching online because you don't feel well. We want God to reach out and touch you today and bring healing to your body. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, God, to gather together in your house today on this campus to lift up your name, to preach from your word, and to fellowship with each other. Lord, we pray, God, for this young lady who's friends with Riley, 
that God, right now, you would touch her lungs, you would heal her body, that she wouldn't have any weird symptoms, Lord God, that she would be able to have health restored to her. We pray for others who are sick, tired, who are wore out this week, that, Lord, you would touch them. Lord, we pray for an encouraging word from you today that would speak to our heart, would feed our spirit, and engage our minds. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Jeb's not dismissing kids today, so I will do it. If you guys would like to go with Miss Jackie downstairs, she's in the back of the sanctuary. You guys are practicing for next week's kids BGMC service. It's going to be great. They're taking over. That's right. So yeah, it will be something. Maybe Jeb will be in the sound booth next week. How fun would that be? Um, we're going to have some fun next week. Well, hey, we are in this crazy series called Just Like Jesus. The whole concept of this was the fact of when we think about church, we often think about, you know, why do we do the things that we do? And, and the, the honest truth is a lot of time it's just what we've been shown. It's what we grew up with. And we said, what if we stripped all of that away for a moment? And we went back and just looked in the Bible and we saw how Jesus wants the church to be, how he wants us as individuals to be. And that has sparked this series called Just Like Jesus. But in that, we're actually doing a sub-series. And we're picking up in scripture today, we're picking up in an area where we see the representatives of the religious and political established descend on Jesus as he's ministering in the temple courts. And, and they're trying their best to trip him up with some questions. And so we're going through those questions and the answers that Jesus had and we're exploring those conversations to pull out some spiritual truths to help us look more like Jesus. So this is our third week in this sub-series. Week one, we had the question, uh, was, what was the authority that Jesus had? Who gave him the authority to do ministry? And, and we learned that it's so important for us as believers to seek the truth, to not be afraid of the truth, but to seek the truth, to have it challenge us. We don't want to be manipulators who are just trying to get their own way or to get the answers and responses that we want. We want the truth of what God has for us. We learned the importance of allowing our hearts to be exposed so that our hearts don't become hard and they're hard to the things of God. Week two, we had the questions of, hey, should we be paying taxes if we don't agree with some of the things the government does? and the question of marriage and the resurrection. And we, we learned these truths. We learned that there's a difference between biblical truth and personal conviction in our life. And we learned that biblical truths must have more weight in our life than personal convictions. And if, if biblical truths and personal convictions conflict with each other, biblical truths are always right. We also learned the importance of not feeding into the drama of situations. But we shouldn't, bring, we shouldn't be bringing drama to situations. We should bring wisdom, peace, and other characteristics of Christ to everything that we face in life. We talked about the importance of moving away from being political to living out in principle, just like Jesus did. So now we're going to tackle this question. What is the greatest commandment? And to do that, we're going into the book of Mark, chapter 12, and we're starting in verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them good answers, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is there is no one but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more question. This next challenger in this line of, of people, it's interesting that you had all of these groups here because uh, the groups that were brought together to ask Jesus these questions absolutely hated each other. They hated each other. They couldn't stand each other. Isn't it interesting? Jesus brings people together, even Jesus' enemies gathered together when they had to have this conversation with Jesus. Jesus should pull people together, amen? And that's definitely what we want to see happen here. This next challenger, he was a scribe. He was also a Pharisee. And the scribes were very interesting. They had determined that Jews were obligated to obey 613 precepts in the law. And let me tell you, they looked for everybody who was going to mess those up. They were, they were the, the, the morality police. All right? If anybody goofed up, they were like, oh, they wrote, wrote them a citation. I'm like, it was serious stuff. These 613 precepts. And one of the things the scribes loved to do was they loved to discuss which one of these divine commandments was the greatest. And so this guy is just going along, and, and he, he poses that question to Jesus. Now, Jesus answers the question of what's the greatest commandment with a profound concept, a four-letter word, L-O-V-E, love. Love, because love is the true fulfillment of biblical law. Love is the foundation on which the gospel is on. The Bible actually says God is love. God is love. Oh, you guys are doing pretty good this morning. You must have had a cup of coffee before you came to church. So Jesus answers this with three, three, three things here. Love God, love yourself, and love others. You might go, well, I didn't see the love yourself. We'll get there in a moment. To understand the first one, to love God, we need to understand the relationship that God has with us first, the love relationship God has for you and me before we can start talking about how we can love God. So we find in Exodus uh, 34.14, it says this, For you shall not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous. He is a jealous God. And Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Now, that's an interesting word to throw in here when we're talking about love, jealous, jealousy. Because wait a minute, isn't jealousy a sin? And see, this is where our English language has some problems. Because we actually don't have a word to describe the word of the emotion here that, that's being portrayed to God. We don't have a word. The closest word we have is jealousy. But I think through an illustration, I can show you 
what these scriptures mean. I'm going to ask Adrian and Hannah to come join us up here, and we'll keep our distance this morning. But uh, these two guys just got married. I'm a little concerned that they're going to one side and the other. Um, it's the newlywed game. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys a couple questions. The first one is this. Hannah, do you love Adrian? Yes, I do. Are you sure? Yes, I am. So you still, you still think it was a good decision getting married? Yes, I do. Oh, these are all good answers. Adrian, how about you? Yes. Oh, ah, awesome. We'll keep it simple. Now, look, we had a great time out at your guys' wedding. It was a great day to celebrate you guys coming together, and I truly believe that you guys are better together than you are separated. But I want to ask you a question this morning. We'll start with Hannah. Hannah, how would you feel if Adrian came to you and said, Hannah, I love you, but I feel like I just, I need more love than what you can give me. So I've decided I'm going to start dating another person on top of being married to you. How would you feel about that? Um, I would be very shocked and hurt, and I'd probably feel betrayed um, and just very sad. And I'll tell you how you would feel, Adrian, very sore. Um, <laughs> this part of your body would hurt probably pretty hard. Um, but let's switch that question now. Adrian, I'm going to ask you a question. What if Hannah were to come to you and said, I just have so much love to give. I, I just feel like I can't, I, I, I can't just give it to you. I'm, I'm going to start seeing another guy so that I can give away the love that I have. How would you feel about that? Maybe something like... <laughs> <laughs> and in my utter shock and amazement, I might say something like, holy guacamole. <laughs> but I wouldn't mean that because it's definitely not a holy one. Yes. It's a vile and rotten one. And they say that love is a drug, and you're going to overdose on love if you do that. So. <laughs> Don't go there. You guys can have a seat. I'll call you guys back up in a little bit to help me with something else. But you can see really quickly this illustrated, this fact. Imagine how God feels, our creator, who knows every single thing about you. When we say, you know what, God, your love isn't good enough for me. I need the love of something else or someone else in my life. What happens when we go, God, you know, I just, I, I can give you a portion of my heart. I can love you with some, but I want to love these other things, and I want to love other people at the same level I love you. Do you begin to understand what this is talking about, the scripture of God being a jealous God? He is enough. He knows that he's enough, and he wants that kind of relationship with you, that, that, that he can say, I'm enough for you. You're going to get enough love from me to sustain you, to fulfill you. And when you love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your spirit, with all of your strength, it's enough. It is enough. God gave everything for you. He created you. He handcrafted you in your mother's womb. That's amazing when you think about it. 
God's plan for redemption when we as individuals were far away from God. God said, I'm enough. I've got a game plan to bring you back, to draw you into this relationship, to have this relationship with you. And God's word says he will never leave us nor abandon us. He walks through every hardship, every broken heart, every tear that falls from our eyes. God is present with us. So let's talk about how God, or or this scripture, how this commandment, how we are to love God in these four areas. The scripture said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So let's start with the heart. I'm going to try to do some of these Greek words for you today, and I'm going to goof it up big time. So grace, you get to apply grace today. Let's talk about heart. The Greek word for heart here is cardius, and it means emotion or feeling. Out of the four areas talked about here, how we can love God, this usually comes naturally to most. It's the emotional connection that we have. You might remember, if, if, you've, had, if you've had a relationship with Jesus for a while, you might remember the moment where you surrendered your heart to Christ. And there was emotional response. There was something happening inside of you. There was an emotional connection that was happening. But I want to tell you, we can't live just on an emotional relationship with God. That's, that's not healthy. And in fact, I would tell you, you can't live an emotional relationship with people in your life. That's not healthy. Relationships are meant to go deeper emotions are real. I want to be very clear. How you feel is very real. Whether, whether it's a good emotion or a negative one, it's, it's a real feeling. But just because emotions are real does not mean that emotions are always true. Emotions lie. We've all felt lonely. Most of us have felt abandoned from time to time. But I want to tell you, that's not true. It's real, but it's not true. Because God said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So I might feel in moments, God, where are you? Where did you go? And the answer to that is God's never left us. So emotions can lie. So be careful there. Our relationship with God starts with emotion. But it can't end there. It's meant to go deeper. Let's look at the second area. This is the area of the soul, to love our God with all our soul. The Greek word here is psychis. And I'm probably goofing that up, but we're going with it. And this this word means spirit. You are built with a spirit inside of you. You're designed that way. When you rolled off the assembly line, you're built with a spirit person. Each and every single person here. We're designed that way. And so when you begin a journey with Jesus, when you submit as Jesus, to, as the Lord of your life, there is something that happens. God's Holy Spirit takes up residency within you. The scripture says that this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that he resides in us when we start a relationship with Christ. And so we've got a spirit man or woman inside of us But that spirit inside of us 
needs to be fed. The Spirit, often at times when they talk about it in Scripture, they, they draw reference to a fire, right? The Spirit and fire. It's like a fire inside of you. But any good fire needs fuel to sustain the fire, right? Unless it's the burning bush. <laughs> I mean, fires need fuel. Your spirit to continue to move forward must be fed. We need to put logs on our spiritual fire. How do we begin to do that? Worship, prayer, listening and reading God's word feeds your spirit person. It puts logs on the fire. Can I tell you there is a dramatic difference inside of me on the days where I come into the office and I've got worship music playing in the background. I may not even be, be really realizing what's going on, but just having it in the background, it feeds something here. Your spirit responds to the spirit. And so when we hear God's word, when we spend time in worship, when we spend time hearing the things God wants us to hear, when we, when we pray, it feeds our spirits. How can we possibly have a relationship with a God who loves us so much if we know nothing about him and we spend no time with him? That's not a relationship. The third area of this relationship is the mind, to love the Lord your God with all your mind. The Greek word here is dianoi, di, yep, it's that word right there. You can see it. <laughs> this means intellect and reason, intellect and reason. Love in the absence of intellect and reason leads to fanaticism every single time. And listen, we've all seen relationships that are fanatical. Watch the Saturday, Saturday nights. They got like on ABC. I don't remember if it's Dateline or 2020 or whatever. You all, every single Saturday night is a fanatical relationship because somebody lost their mind. <laughs> Fanaticism is a dangerous thing. And every faith has fanatics. We're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. For some in the room, you weren't even alive then. But I remember it vividly. It was horrific to wake up that morning and to see these planes crash into buildings across our nation with people who were fanatical about the religion but lacked the ability to have intellect and reason because any intellect and reason would tell you crashing an airplane into these buildings is a bad idea. They lived off of emotion but never connected their mind. And they became fanatical. And in Christian, our relationship as Christians can become fanatical when we don't involve our mind. At the best case, the best case is you'll spiritually do well when you feel good. So you're like, oh, hey, if I just live off emotion, my relationship with God, when I feel good, I'll spiritually be good. But when I feel bad, I'll spiritually starve. And I'll go in the opposite directions. That's not healthy. That's not what God wants for you. But the reality is Christian fanaticism, it will ruin your life. You'll begin to hurt the people who genuinely love and care about you. Your views will become extreme in almost every area of your life. You'll see yourself losing and lacking compassion and empathy almost completely. 
And you'll find that spiritual zealousness becomes more important to you than connecting people to Christ. And can I tell you, as a Christian, when we lose a passion for drawing people into a relationship with Jesus, there is something fundamentally wrong inside of us that needs to be fixed. Our relationship with Christ must move to the intellect and reason level. God said in Isaiah, come, let us reason together. And, and, I, and I don't know why people feel like if you're going to be spirit-led, then you have to disconnect your mind. That is not biblically accurate at all. <laughs> there are times where we have to step out in faith, absolutely. There's times when we have to step out and go, I, I don't understand why God's having me do this, but I trust him. But we're never meant to disconnect our mind. God, God is a strategist. We're made in the image of God. God is an incredible, strategic individual. If we're made in his image, he expects us to use it. You've been blessed in so many ways with so many great gifts. Don't waste your mind. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, reserve, or revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect, and the only way you can do that is to engage your mind in your relationship with Jesus. Let's reason with the Lord. Number four is strength. And there's the Greek word for it. I'm not even going to try it. And this means might and effort. Might and effort. A relationship with God is not one way. Jesus is not a genie in a Bible. We don't rub the Bible three times and then ask Jesus for gifts. That's not how a relationship with God works. It's a two-way street. It's a communication with God. He speaks, we're to respond. That's the biblical uh, uh, layout, blueprint that we're given. God speaks, God's people should respond. It requires effort on our part. When God speaks, we're to respond. Obedience to the word of God, application to the word of God, it all requires effort on our part to have a healthy relationship with God. Who wants to have a healthy relationship with God? I don't want a dysfunctional relationship with God. He's not dysfunctional, and he doesn't want me to be dysfunctional, and he doesn't want you to be dysfunctional. So let's begin to step into a healthy relationship with God. Which brings us to the second thing, loving yourself. The commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. But if we're going to love our neighbor well, if we're going to love them correctly, then we've got to be able to love ourselves correctly. Because if we can't do that correctly, we definitely aren't going to love somebody else correctly. So let's take a, a deeper look. If we're going to have the right perspective on who we are, we need to be centered, grounded, and understand how God sees you as an individual. We can't, be, we can't go to extremes, right? We don't want to think too highly of ourselves. We don't want to think too lowly of ourselves. We want to be right in the center. Humble and confident, right? I think those are good terms to use as a Christian. We want to be humble and confident, not arrogant or self-demeaning. We've got to be able to view ourselves as valued by God. Here's just a couple of scriptures that talk about that value. Genesis 127, 
God created man in his own image. Guess what? Not only is that good for you to understand that, that you're made in God's image, but every person on the face of the planet, no matter their race, the color of their skin, the color of their hair, what they look like, they're made in God's image. They came off God's assembly line with God's stamp of approval on it. And so when we look at someone because of the color of their skin or because of their nationality or because of where they grew up, I'm telling you, you mock God. You're saying, God, that person isn't good enough. Therefore, you're not good enough in my life. That's dangerous territory. Dangerous territory to be in. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are the workmanship of God, created, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're the handiwork of God. You're not a mistake. Yeah, sure, we all have weaknesses, but it's in my weaknesses that I find God's strength. It's when people see our weaknesses that God's strength can rise to the surface and people can see Christ in you. That's a good thing to do good works. Every person in here has good works that God has preordained in your life for you to do. That's amazing. That tells me every person here has purpose. You have purpose this morning. 1 John 3, 1 and 2 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Now, some of us grew up and we didn't have the best parents. So don't throw, don't throw that mentality into your relationship with God because God is a good father. He's a great father. He is a loving father and he calls you child. That's amazing. Amazing. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Your past is not defined or sorry, your present is not defined by your past. You are new in Christ. Your present doesn't hold you back from your future either because it takes one choice. When you find yourself far away from God, it takes one moment of repentance, one moment to go before God and go, Lord, I've goofed this up. Draw me back to you. God, I'm sorry for the things that I did today. Draw me back to you, and instantly you are back in the presence of God. That's how good our God is. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are a conqueror. You are an overcomer. Whatever you're facing today, whether it's four years of an education that you're unsure about, or whether you're going home to bills that you don't know how you're going to pay, or you're dealing with a relationship you don't know how to get out of, you are more than a conqueror in Christ. We are overcomers, and we are overcomers together. Did you hear that? We're overcomers together, church. So let's love ourselves right Let's love ourselves well. Let's have the right mindset. We are loved by God. Number three, love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Who is this neighbor that this commandment speaks of? It's just not the people who are just like you. And thank goodness it's not. It's just not the people 
who look like you, talk like you. It's not just the people that have the same values as you. It's just not the other Christians in this room. It is every person that's currently living on the planet are to be considered our neighbors. The person who does not know Jesus is your neighbor. The person who is heartbroken and lost today is your neighbor. And you know what? They're probably looking for a friend. It's every person that's here, every person in our community, every person on your campus. Rather than me share about your neighbor, what I'd like to do is I'd like, like Adrian to come back. He just spent two months serving people in Colorado that he did not know who were his neighbors. He gave of his life to share the gospel and to love on people. So Adrian, would you come and share for just a few moments about your mission's endeavor to Colorado and how you were a neighbor to those who needed Christ. So the interesting thing is the theme this summer was neighbors. Uh, so, And we did the, the Good Samaritan as our main thing. And I'm going to assume that a lot of you don't know what I was doing exactly, and that's totally okay. I'll tell you super quickly. Um, so I was with an organization called YouthWorks, and what happens is middle schoolers and high schools from all around the United States get to go into a community. It might be in their state. It might be in a place they've never been before. And they spend one week um, spending their days serving at different sites, and then at night um, they learn about God, and they do it all over the next day. And so at a site you have four people, four staff members, and so I had at my, at my site a uh, site director, and then we had um, two people who were in charge of connecting with community members and finding jobs, and I was the ministry support coordinator. So essentially, I was like a youth group leader, and so my role had a lot to do uh, with leading um, our nightly activities and leading the times that we learned about God at night, and the summer was cool, it was awesome, but it was not easy, and there were a lot of really difficult parts to it, too. Um, so one of the cool things that I got to do was lead the night activities, lead um, the evening activities. And so one night we would go to the Great Sand Dunes National Park, and those are the tallest sand dunes in North America. Um, and it's with all these middle schoolers and high schoolers, so I'd finally get everyone up in a circle, and I'd be saying, okay, here's our boundaries. We're all going to hike up here. And these are like giant. It's like mini mountains that you're climbing made of sand. So you can imagine as you're sinking in and sliding back, it's hard to climb up them. Um, but for instance, one week I turn around and I see this group of cross-country boys who are already like at a nice full run speed running towards the sand dunes. And so I had to sprint to catch up with them um, because they're not supposed to be without an adult, especially in the sand dunes where you can get lost. So... That's one example of, of what I had to do over the summer is sprint to catch up with these very fit cross-country guys, whereas I had not been exercising recently. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we got to do things like that. Um, there was a waterfall that we visited. Uh, that was very cold. Most groups didn't go there. I visited multiple times, but the water temperature was extremely cold because it was on the mountains. Um, even at the beginning of the summer, there's snow at the very top, and so the water 
that you had to wade through was like ice water. Um, but we got to do a lot of fun evening activities. We had to go around. We had um, the ex-pastor of the church that, I, that we were staying at come and talk uh, one night a week. And so they got to learn a lot about the community, which was Alamosa, Colorado. And it's in a valley that's almost the same size as the country of Israel. That was a fun fact I learned. And it's the highest elevation valley in the United States. So it's way up in the mountain. Denver's a mile high, but this was a mile and a half up. Um, so even walking up the stairs, you got winded until you got used to it. And working, you got winded all the time. Um, but you were in a valley as well as being <coughs> way up in the mountains. So there were mountains surrounding you. So it was extremely beautiful. Um, and so what would happen is every Sunday, students would come in and we would serve and do things all week and they would leave on Friday. And, and the sad part was we had to go to Costco on the weekends and Costco was like two and a half hours away. So Saturday we had a five hour trip plus we were shopping for a, a week of having like 75 people. And so for a little while, the summer was uh, really rough from a being able to continue on point of view because we were working seven days a week and you're waking up super early in order to help make breakfast each morning and you're going to bed really late because until those teenagers decide that they're gonna go to bed, you have to stay up with them. And so those were some of the things that we did. Um, but we also, we learned so much about God. We talked about neighbors. And one of the things that we discussed as Pastor Eric was saying was about how each and every person that we come across is our neighbor. And when we learn about neighbors, and the literal meaning in English is just the people who live around you, um, but Jesus didn't mean that at all. And you don't realize that until you get to see how Jesus lived his life and the story of the Good Samaritan. And one of the most interesting parts about that for me is not only was the Samaritan an outsider, but Samaritans um, were treated terribly by the people in Israel, that the people in Israel were extremely racist. They hated him. And so it wasn't only that the Samaritan was going and helping this person that was hurt that nobody else would. It wasn't only that it was someone that simply was from a different country or different region, but it was someone who quite possibly could have been extremely racist against Samaritans. Maybe that person had hurt Samaritans in the past. We don't know. But this person saw the person lying on the ground, and the Samaritan helped him anyway. And we also learned uh, one of the huge themes that I had to get across, partly because of where we were, is um, because of COVID, we couldn't do much working inside. We were supposed to be outside. The thing, though, is things like lawn care and that sort of thing, well, we were in a desert, right? So not only was it high elevation, but it was also a desert. So things like lawns weren't very common unless the people had a lot of money and were watering their lawns daily. And so most people were just on a sandlot. One of the things, though, that was interesting about Alamosa was in Ripon or places around Wisconsin, normally there's rules on how long your grass can get before you have to cut it or else the city gets kind of mad at you. Well, in Alamosa, there's rules on weeds because when all you have is sand, weeds grow. And so I, at one point, um, this is one short story I'll, I'll tell you all about how God did something really cool while I was there. So 
um, the lady who I worked with who was in charge of getting work projects, which is working at people's houses, was extremely stressed. She was like freaking out. Um, I don't think it'd be too far-fetched to say she was having mental breakdowns, you know, times where she'd go off and cry and that sort of thing. And so one day I said, all right, I'm going to go door to door in this city, which um, one out of every four people was living in poverty. Um, it was diverse um, with almost 50% of people being Hispanic there. And it was really cool because um, there was a lot of need in that community that we were able to help with. And I told, I told her, I'm going to go out in this community and I'm going to knock on doors and I'll find people that are going to want some help. Because I was like, who isn't going to want help? So I drove out that morning and I went down one street and down f and back down, knocking on every single door. And every person I talked to, I was like, hey, we're YouthWorks. Uh, we have teenagers coming every week. We just want to serve. It's all for free. Um, we're doing it just to help the community. And nobody wanted help just because maybe they didn't feel like they needed it or for whatever reason, that wasn't something they wanted. And I felt super discouraged. But I had prayed before. I was like, God, I really believe that you want me to find the right place because we're here to serve and we don't have anyone to serve. And part of the reason for that is YouthWorks hadn't been in Alamosa for 13 years. So all of the partnerships were no longer there. Um, we had to, we were there as a site for the first time in many, many years. So as essentially a new site, we had to form partnerships in that community. And so later on, I ended up going back out. I said, I'm going to go because I said, I told my team, I'm not going to stop until I find someone because I really thought I was going to. And so I ended up going to a trailer park. And this was kind of scary because, right, it's, it's getting more towards dusk and I'm all alone. And, you know, there's a lot of poverty and stuff. So you know that things like theft or whatever are more common um, because people think that's what they need to resort to. And so I'm walking around in this trailer park and I like walk up to us to one one of the mobile homes and there's a sign that says beware of dog. But I look around and there's no dog. So I walk up to the door and knock, right? Or I go to another one, it says like no soliciting. And I thought, well, I don't actually really know what soliciting means. But if I'm a solicitor, I think that's at least a good thing because I'm giving free work. So I was going around and, and I was pretty scared, but I'm like, I can do this. And I ended up knocking on many houses. Every single person that I knocked on their house responded. And there was eight to 10 people um, who said that they wanted help. And these were people who were living in a lot of poverty, who there were some who had weeds that were like up to my knees. Um, their entire lot was just, if you can imagine if your lawn grew that high, and it was just grass, but weeds. And that house, they hadn't pulled weeds in six years. So that'd be like not mowing your lawn in six years. And so they weren't really able to, and they didn't have money to get any tools, and they didn't have gloves, and that sort of thing. So we ended up spending a lot of the summer in that mobile home park um, helping people. And a lot of it was just weeding. Um, but one of the things that I really tried to tell the students each week was that it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're doing it for God, that's what matters. And so when we went to a house and we weeded their lawns, and at the end you see they're about to cry, and, and the students are like, well, all we're doing is weeding. Like, this is stupid. This is boring. But no, it's not because they asked for us to help with weeding. And if that's what they needed help with, that's what we're going to do. Um, so that was one of the most important lessons this summer that I hope students got was that 
respectful service isn't about going in and having a preconception of what you're going to do. Some of the students probably thought they were going to build a house this summer or something like that. Um, but the best way that we can love others is by serving them in the way that they need to be served, not the way that we want to serve them. So when you go in, there's things you want to do. And sometimes the things that will love them the most are the things we don't want to do, like taking out the garbage or scrubbing a floor. And that's what Youth Works is all about, is about going into communities and asking them how we can help them. Because people are the best experts on their own problems. And they know how they're going to be loved the best. And so that's one of the cool things I learned this year. So yeah, I did a, a lot of weeding. I did a lot of um, trying to deal with teenagers. And yeah. And now I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. So after all of that, it was probably, probably a good thing I did that. So yeah, that was my summer. And uh, thank you for all the people who prayed and encouraged me. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs, but I'm glad I did it. Amen. Worship team, if you'd come, get ready to come back. Um, let's be good neighbors, church. Let's love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart. And spirit. So, <laughs> hey, I'm glad that some people are learning. Um, let's love the Lord in those four areas. Let's love ourselves properly. And let's love people. You'd stand to your feet this morning for our, our guest college students today, we want to tell you, we love you guys. We love you guys. And we are here to serve you. Uh, whatever you need. If you, and I'm not saying that you have to come here to go to church. This is a resource for you. Uh, we build community. And we're here for you guys. Whether if you need to just have a place to come study, there's places for that. We've got super fast Wi-Fi. Come on over. Uh, if you just need a place to get away or someone to talk to, we've got staff here who would love to spend time with you. Uh, and Luke and Mandy office out of here, so it's a good chance if you're meeting with them, you might be coming here anyway. Um, but we're here to love on you guys. And, and if two of you guys, I see that we've got two of these gift bags left. Maybe God would stir one of you to say, hey, you know what, there's someone I can give that to. Please take these. We want them to go into college students' hands today. So we want to pray for you. We also want to pray for everybody else here today. We want to pray for those who are online as well. The most important thing is that we get to start a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you want a relationship with God, you want to be loved like never before. You want to have the resources of the kingdom available to you. It starts with this, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came, that he died, and that he rose again, and that you're not perfect. And guess what? This guy is far from perfect. I need a Savior in my life. And the Savior is Jesus Christ. So let's pray together if you want to start a relationship with Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I've got messed up issues. And I need a Savior today. Lord, would you step into my life? I confess with my mouth, with my heart, with my mind, with my spirit today that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, that you rose again. And that, God, you are calling me to a relationship this morning, and I am responding to that. I want to run you as my Savior. Jesus, help us as we take our relationship with you to the deeper places. In the four areas that we talked about today, Lord, in our mind, in our spirit, with our strength, 
Lord God, help us in all these areas, God, to grow closer to you. Lord, help us to look at ourselves like you look at us. Lord, help us to be in the center, not to think too much nor too little of ourselves, but to be centered. And God, we pray this morning, God, give us opportunities to love our neighbors. As Adrian said, Lord, not to serve them the way I want to serve them, to serve them in the way they need to be served. Lord, help us to be people willing to sacrifice, willing to give of our time, our energy, and our resources for the kingdom of God. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. And God's people said, Amen. Now we do differently at Hillside. We close in a worship time. Robbie's going to lead us in two worship songs. Then he's going to pray over our offering today. So you have an opportunity to do that. Our offering box is in the foyer. Unfortunately, I am going back to my cage now uh, for the evening. Uh, But I want to tell you, church, I love you. Please keep that young lady in your prayers today and uh, pray for my daughter as well. We're believing that her test will come back negative, but just You know, it never hurts to pray. We're praying for you. We're here all week. And if you would like to help us at the end of our worship experience, take equipment downstairs for Friday night. I know that Dave and our team would be very grateful for that. Dave is in the sound booth. He can direct you on how you can help with that process. So we love you, church. Let's worship God together. Robbie, would you lead us again? Because of who you are, I give.
needs compassion a love that's never failing let mercy fall on me everyone needs forgiveness the kindness of a savior the hope of
sing just one last song before we dismiss. But before we do that, we're going to pray for our offering, and we're going to pray for our college students who are here this morning. Pastor Eric asked if I would pray for each one of our college students. So I think if our college students could come up here right now, and Mandy and Luke, if you'd come up here with them. Yep. And I want the rest of us just to stretch a hand out to them. I know going to college and you're wondering what's going to happen with your life and plans, it's always a big step. We're just going to pray for God's wisdom as you go through this year. So extend your hand and let's pray for our college students. God, I thank you for each one who has come here today. God, you have got a plan that is unique yes, only to them. Yep. God, I pray throughout this year. Yeah 
that your Holy Spirit would begin to reveal that plan to each one of them. God, I pray that you would provide for their needs, give them strength as they go through doing all the hard work of their classes, all the assignments that need to be done. God, I pray that you'd lead them to the right friends to hang out with. God, may they find friends who will encourage them in their walk with God. And Lord, I thank you for Luke and Mandy and how they have this ministry on campus. Lord, I pray that they would be an encouragement to each one of these students here. God, may this college student ministry grow and may students come to have a stronger and deeper relationship with you. Lord, we just commit them into your hands. You are going to do awesome things in each one of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may go back to your seats. Let me just pray for their offering. Yes, we can give them a clap offering. That's right. Let's, let's just pray for our offering. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings to you. Thank you that you provide the needs for our church. God, we worship you with our tithe and offerings. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing just one last song. Our God is greater. Come on, put your hands together. Let's sing it. Water you turned. The water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. And into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no you believe that? Yeah. Like you, there's none like our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, and God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. Turned into wine. You've opened the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. There's none like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. Our God. Sing that again. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is. 
And if our God is for us, who could be against us? Let's sing that out together. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Then what could stand against? greater our god is stronger god you are higher than any other our god is healer awesome in power our god and our god our god is greater our god is stronger god you are higher than any other If our God, and if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God, is God you give us victory. There is nothing that can stand against you. Lord, we worship you. Then what can stand against? What could stand against? time sing that chorus our god is greater our god is stronger god you are higher than any other our god is healer awesome in power our god our of the Lord. Have a great week and we'll see you again next Sunday.